Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. Today we want to continue with Paul's journey by ship to Italy. And we'll look at Acts chapter 27, verse 13 to verse 26. Verse 13 to 26. Let us pray. Father, reveal to us your nature, the way you are with your people, the way you speak to your people, the way you call us to wait upon you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 27 verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw the opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, you must run aground on some island. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's devotion, I, have, I end up with more questions for myself, more uncertainty than certainty. But I think it is a good start to think about waiting on God and the God who speaks. Let's look at today's passage. God was going to speak to Paul, but how frighteningly slow God's timing was. The ship was going through big problems, storm was battered by the storm, they even threw the anchor, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. Everything on the boat, the equipment and all, was thrown overboard just to save themselves. And then in verse 20 it says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They had waited, they had prayed, they had hoped, and God was silent. In verse 21, it says, after they had gone a long time without food. So it wasn't just a um, long time of waiting. They had gotten rid of everything and they were starving. And they were not just starting a starve. They were starving for some time. And God was still silent. 
You know, the silence of God is the most frightening and frustrating thing that we could ever experience. I have friends who prayed, prayed for various things, prayed for job, prayed for answers, prayed for children, and all the while, God was silent. I've even had friends who prayed that God would speak to them, that God would be real to them, that there would be an epiphany the way some pastors and even myself have shared about epiphanies. And God was silent. After a long time, when the ship was almost about to sink, when the crew and everyone else was battered, when they had lost all their food and were starving, God then spoke. And what he said was this, that Paul, I told you that you go to Caesar, I go before Caesar, I told you that you go to Rome. So, you're not going to die, for sure. But as a bonus, I'm going to save everyone in the ship as well. What a relief to Paul and to everyone in the ship when Paul could declare that truth. But what happened during that time when they had to wait and wait and wait. Waiting is never a comfortable thing. It brings us to our knees, it breaks us down. I remember the time when, and I wouldn't share this story today, but I did mention it before, where I waited for God to do something in my life because I was having such a terrible time in my church. And all I heard, all I said to God was, God, this will be the death of me, this church. This ministry will be the death of me. And what I heard God reply rather saucily was, well, that's exactly what I want happen to you. But the process of dying, dying to self, dying to all that we had hoped of God is the most excruciating thing we could ever feel. We don't know where the bottom is. We wait, we cry for God, we say, God, when, how long? God, Show me yourself. God, give a revival to me. God, show a direction for the church. And God is silent. And we wonder whether we should wait or we should rush to do something. Well, I'd say that if there was an emergency and you had to rush to do something, like if someone was dying and you had to bring him to hospital, of course. But there are times when we just have to wait Wait for a God who doesn't, who takes his time to show up. You know, when Jesus went, ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And my goodness, the wait, one wonders, wait for how long? You never say. What if I had to wait a year? How long do I have to wait? I remember a time when I also confronted God and I said, God, you know, if I knew when you would pour forth your rivers of living water into my life, I'd be so assured. Problem is you make a promise and you never give a timeline. You say you, whoever believes in you will receive rivers of living water. You never said when. And then the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, but God, however long it takes, I will wait for you. It was ironic because the moment I said that, half an hour later, God just poured His Holy Spirit into me. But how was I to know that half an hour earlier? I wouldn't. It could have been another 30 years for all I cared, or for all I knew. But there came a point of submission and surrender when I had to say to God, 
God, however long it takes, I submit to you. Do as you have promised, and I'll wait for you. Waiting is excruciating, especially when things around us are falling apart or worse, people are running away. And this is the story that I've, that the Old Testament tells us. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13 tells us that the Philistines were very angry with the Israelites, with Saul and his people. And so they camped themselves around Israel. And Samuel told Saul, don't offer any sacrifices until I come. Seven days later, you see, at that time, only the priests and the prophets could do it. And King Saul, not being a priest or prophet, was not allowed to offer sacrifices. But he had waited seven days. And see how bad the situation had become. In verse 7, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 7, it says, Some of the Hebrews had already deserted and left the land. Saul remained in Gilgal, and all the troops were with him, quaking with fear. Saul waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. I mean, can you imagine being a king where everyone was looking to you for direction, for sacrifice, to start the war, to fight the enemy? And all he could do was to sit still. And the men started deserting him, running for fear, because this was, in their eyes, a weak king. And then Saul decided to burn the offerings. And even as Saul started to offer the burnt offerings, Samuel turned up. And Samuel said to him, Because you have disobeyed God, this was a foolish thing that you have done. You have not obeyed the commandments of God. And God has now chosen another king, a man after his own heart, to lead you. I put myself in, Sam, in Saul, King Saul's place and I wonder, could I have done any better than Saul under all this pressure with all my troops running away? Just to hold fast to the promise that God would lead us. God would deliver the nation from the enemies. I don't know, I might, I would very likely have capitulated to and given in. But this is what God said through Samuel, I will now choose a man after my own heart. The person who waits despite all the signs of failure, all the signs of God not keeping his promises, is a man after God's own heart because he knows that God will keep his promises. Perhaps indeed you have been praying for something. God may have promised you. Of course, if God hasn't promised you, yet even if God hasn't promised you that particular thing, He does promise you an abundant life. He does promise you fullness of life. He does promise you rivers of living water flowing out from you. So we wait for God to answer those promises. But still a very difficult question, a difficult issue. One of the toughest things I face as a PIC is this, in this church, in my previous church was this. The moment I get into a church, people ask, so what's the vision? What's your vision for the church? And to be very honest, 
I haven't heard, I don't know most of the time. But it's hard to convince people that I haven't heard from God and God hasn't spoken. So the next question is, so if God hasn't spoken to you, what do you expect us to do? The natural answer is, I don't know. Just like King Saul, having to face a nation and saying, I don't know. But you know, the things that I know are these. For one, God chose Agape to be in this place, to be in Taman Jurong, to make a difference. Second, God named this church Agape, which is not about us loving the world, but God loving us and God loving the world through us. And so two of these truths then, first, we are going to be make an impact. And second, that God is going to pour His love into us first, and then through us to others. What are the directions we wait day by day, month by month, just believing that God has called this church for a purpose and we await His directions day by day. Just believing that first of all, God will pour His love into us, His church. He will so fill us with His love because that is what agape means. And then He will love the community and love the world through us. And there is no rushing to this, even when we struggle hard to ask ourselves, how long do I wait? When will directions come? When will a great vision come? When do we start work? And we will know this truth. Let's wait and be still and allow God to pour His love into our hearts. And when God started pouring His love into our hearts, then he will send us forth. But in the meantime, we wait, not without action. We wait in prayer. We wait reading the word of God, which is the reason why I want to continue teaching the word of God through devotions, through whatever means we have, that you may know God. And as you know God, allow God to pour his love into each of your lives, and each of your hearts. And only when our hearts are filled with the love of God will we be able to reach out to the community with that same love and embrace that God has for the world. But as I said, I leave far more questions than answers because following God and following Jesus is not a straightforward step-by-step thing, A, B, C, and I've got it all planned for you. A lot of times has to go through a time of silence. When things seem to fall apart, when things frustrate us and frustrate everyone else, and we are just saying, I am waiting for the Lord. And we are not just saying it and then having a good time. We are sincerely praying and seeking the Lord and asking God, God, when? And then allowing God the freedom to decide when. Because even in this process of waiting and allowing things to fall apart or seemingly, God is strengthening the church and strengthening us. And so we need to learn to wait, to seek, to believe that those who seek will find and those who ask it will be given. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. 
Jesus never said when and how, just that it will happen. And we believe by faith then that these things that God has promised us will happen. Rivers of living water will throw, flow through us individually. It will happen. When, we don't know. We learn to wait. Let us pray. Father, following you is extremely frustrating at times because you made many promises and even when we minister to others, we aren't the ones who can keep those promises. We aren't the ones who can tell people, yes, it's going to happen today or it's going to happen tomorrow. We aren't the ones who make it happen. But Lord, we are only the ones who declare that you have promised and then we wait. And God, sometimes this works easily and often it doesn't. It doesn't when we are asking for a job and we can't get a job. You say that you will still feed us and you will still provide for us. You give us the desires of our hearts. And How do we wait, Lord? When we have to move the church and there is silence, and you say that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. You say that you will pour your love into us. You say that you will use us to reach the community. But you never said when. And God, we have to wait. We ask then that you will teach us to wait because you say that those who wait are the ones who, who have your heart. The ones whose hearts after yours we are the men women and children whose hearts are after your heart so god help us to know you and help us to wait for you because lord those who have waited have received when you promised when you told the disciples to wait for the gift of the holy spirit and they waited and they received and god then teach us to wait even in the face of uncertainty and to believe, Lord, that you keep your promises. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's something to keep thinking about. I really have no answers as to how long to wait and what if things come crashing? Do we take action? We don't. I really don't know. What I'm learning is that we need to believe that God does speak, and God does intervene, and God does keep all His promises while we wait. God bless you. Have a great day. Goodbye.